Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 13. Hear the word of God. Of this gospel, Paul writes, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's all one sentence. (laughs) This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray again for a moment. Father, we ask today that as we have sung your praise, as we have reminded ourselves that you have no equal, yours is the power, yours is the glory. As we were reminded that you have called us to share the name of Jesus, with others. Father, now we pray that we would not only worship you with our emotions, but with our intellect, with our minds. Father, that we would not be uh, mentally lazy, uh, but that we would engage with your word. Father, I pray that uh, you would protect us against my words and against my thoughts, and that you would teach us through the power of your spirit and the power of your word. Paul says he was given this gift by the working of your power. And so, Lord, it is that power for which we pray this morning that can penetrate any and every human heart. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would forgive my sin. Please don't let me be a hindrance to your word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our sermon in a sentence this morning is actually not even a a sermon. I I couldn't couldn't even put a period on. It's really a bullet point. Uh, And it's simply this, the natural flow of the gospel. In other words, what the gospel is naturally supposed to do uh, comes to me, but it also goes through me. So if I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm a recipient of the gospel. We're going to see that in this text this morning. But we're also going to see in this text very clearly, and it's building on the first six verses, which Daryl preached on last week. If you weren't here last week, I wasn't here. I was out of town performing a wedding. It was on my way back. But I got a chance to listen to it, a podcast. If you missed it last week, go back and listen to that sermon. It's an outstanding sermon on the notion that the gospel flows through us that it is intended not only to enrich us, to redeem us, to enliven us, to save us, but it's also meant to then flow through us to others. And Paul is going to build on that this morning. And that's what God intends. That's the natural flow, that it comes to me, but it also goes through me. We're going to look at this in four different ways. The first, we're going to see a gift given. That, that God is the one who initiates this. Then we're going to look at an appropriate application. So Paul acknowledges that the gift's been given, but then he talks about, and, and here's how I see it being put to work in my life. And that's a question each one of us should be asking if we're a disciple of Jesus. How is this applied to my life? Thirdly, Paul then moves from the individual conversation of how does this work out in my life to talk about the community of God that is now on display for all of creation to see, whether seen or unseen, whether human or spiritual, the church is a witness to the power and the glory of God, which eventually then brings the gospel full service as it ends up bringing us back to our, the emphasis of being in relationship with God. So it comes from God to us, 
from us to our fellow man, and then back full circle to God. And hopefully we'll see those four points in this passage this morning. So let's start off with a gift given. In verse 7, Paul writes, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power. Notice that Paul sees himself as a passive recipient of something that someone else was doing, that someone else is God. Paul said, I, I didn't choose to be uh, a messenger of, of this gospel. I was made a messenger of this gospel. And if you've studied the book of Acts, you know that Paul was originally named Saul and his job, his day job was to try to put Christians in jail. <laughs> his day job was to try to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And he was very good at it and he would have succeeded had it not been for one thing. He was up against God and you don't ever win when you go up against God. He always wins 100% of the time. And you might say, I don't know that that's true. Uh, we could talk about that. I'd be happy to. But God is all powerful and God's will is going to be done. And when God said to Paul, enough is enough, Saul. You're now going to be my messenger. Paul put his faith in Christ. And so Paul understands that he's receiving something that he didn't deserve. Uh, I have something in my office and I keep it in a place where it's kind of high up. Uh, you wouldn't necessarily notice it, but it's kept in a place that's high up because I also have a bubblegum jar that sits on my desk. And so a lot of young hands come into my office. And this is something that I kind of, I'm being a little selfish, but I'd rather they not be able to put their hands on. It's just a business card, just a very simple business card, but it's in a frame. Kat, can you see the name on that business card? Can't see it. Can anybody see it? Is it too far away? Mark, can you see that? What if I come out here? Can you see it now? John Wayne. Ooh, everybody over 40 is going, ooh, and everybody under 20 is going, what, who, where? Now, the cool thing about this is it's not just a John Wayne business card. What's cool about this is what's on the back of this business card. And what's on the back of this business card is John Wayne's own handwriting that says, good luck, John Wayne. Now, my business card has to say a whole lot more than Tom Rick. So if you're John Wayne, all it has to say is John Wayne, and pretty much everybody of his generation <laughs> knew who that was. Um, this sits high up in my office. I, I, I received this. Um, I was on a trip that someone had paid for me. So I, I was in Phoenix, Arizona. Someone had actually paid for me to go to Phoenix, Arizona. They paid my travel expenses. They paid Cindy's travel expenses. And they sent us to a Promise Keepers conference for pastors. And while I was there, this person set me up with a buddy of his. He said, I want you to go play golf with him. My buddy's going to pay for your golf. You'll have a great time with him. You'll have lunch. You'll enjoy the day. So all of this is a gift to me. While I'm at lunch with this guy, this guy says, I heard from your friend that you're a big John Wayne fan. And I said, which movie would you like me to recite from start to finish? I can, I can do any of them. And he slid something across the table to me. And he said, I want you to have this. And it was this card. He said, I was in the latter part of his life. I was one of his business associates. And I have about 50 of these cards. And I'm giving this to you. You just have to promise to me that you'll never put it on eBay. You'll never sell it. And I said, I will die <laughs> protecting my John Wayne card. <laughs> so if this is gone next week, uh, we want to get a, you, this is all, we have you on film. We know who's here and I will come looking for you. <laughs> I didn't do anything to deserve that. There's no reason that guy should have given that to me. That was a prized possession. He was being gracious. He was being kind. Paul says, I want to be clear. I was given this. I, I, I didn't earn it. We don't earn our salvation. It's a grace given. But it's also a powerful gift. Look at what he says in the second half of the verse. Not only am I a passive recipient, but look at the provider. It was given to me by the working of God's power. The notion here is that it's God's strength that not only brings about salvation, but that equips us to follow Jesus. That wherever he leads, we have the power to follow him. 
We have the power to, to, to have an impact on people's lives that will change their lives, not by our power, not by our strength. We, we fall way short of having enough power to do that. But God has all the power in the universe and he shares, that, shares it with us so that we can be empowered by him to do what he's called us to do. I was on a flight last summer coming back to St. Louis and there was a guy that was getting on the plane. He wasn't a small guy, but he kind of had his hands full and he had a, he had a, a carry-on bag that, and I travel enough now to know that people's carry-on bags weigh about 700 pounds because you're trying to shove everything in this carry-on, carry-on bag you possibly can. And he was trying to lift it up with one hand and put it in the overhead compartment. And because he had his other hand, he couldn't quite get it done. But he, he was a guy that, you know, he, he could have, you know, kind of set it down, but he, he's struggling. And this flight attendant comes by who, who, who may be soaking wet, weighed 110 pounds, just a, a slight little gal. And she looks at him with this smile on her face that's really kind of a smirk. It's not, it's like, really, you know, you can't lift this? And she grabs it and she slings it up there and she shuts the compartment and she walks away laughing. And he's standing there looking like a complete fool because he couldn't lift this thing to, to, to put it away. Right? I can't lift the gospel enough with my own power to change anybody's life. But the God of the universe can sling it up and make it work in an instant. And so Paul's wise to say, look, I'm a passive recipient. I I didn't earn this. It's by grace. But I also know the power in which I go about my life is the power that God provides. And if you're a disciple of Jesus this morning, those two things are true for you and for me. It's a gift that's given, and it's a powerful provider who gives it. So how do you apply that? What's an appropriate use of that gift? Well, look at verse 8. There's a couple of things here. Start with verse 8 where Paul says this. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, the grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. What Paul is saying that, that not only does the gospel come to me, but now it comes through me, it flows through me, and, and, the, and the reason it flows through me is for the proclamation of the gospel. It's to be shared with others. So coming back to, to Pastor Daryl's sermon last week where he gave the, the candy to the children. He said, now you've, got, you've gotten two of them because you're supposed to share one of those. What the Lord Jesus is saying to us in this text, now I've given you the gospel, but I haven't just given you to, to keep it. I've given it to you to proclaim it. I've given it to you to share with others. How are we doing at Green Tree and sharing this gospel with others? How are you and I doing individually with kind of keeping our head up and looking around and being prayerful about who are the folks in my life that, I, that, that come across my path on a daily basis that might not know the Lord Jesus? It may be a complete stranger. It might be my best friend. Chances are it's somewhere in between. But am I, am I praying for and am I looking for the opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? As most of you know, we did this survey last summer, and we asked a lot of questions on that survey. And one of the questions on the survey was, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, how did you get to Green Tree? And there were several boxes that, that you could have checked. Uh, one of those boxes was I came to Green Tree through conversion. In other words, somebody at Green Tree, or I was at a service at Green Tree, but somehow uh, God used Green Tree Community Church to lead me to Christ. And then there, oh, I came from a different church, or uh, I, I, you know, I haven't been to church for a while, but I'm a Christian. There were several boxes you could check. Uh, The box that was checked the least by a long shot, I mean, it's not even close, was through conversion. So according to what we've admitted, we're doing a really bad job at sharing the gospel with other people. I would say that that answer is a disturbing answer. And if it doesn't disturb us, then we're not understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
I don't say that to, to sternum thump you because as soon as I do that, there are three fingers that need to do it to me too because I'm one of the teaching pastors here. Uh, I should be doing a better job at helping us understand this. But how can we go about our lives claiming that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gift that's been given to us freely and not share it with others? An appropriate application is the proclamation of the gospel. And Paul doesn't let us off the hook by saying, well, you know, I just don't know enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough because Paul says, I'm the least of all the saints. Paul's name literally means small guy. <laughs> That's what Paul's name means in Latin. And you may have been doing a little bit of a wordplay because the, the Christians in Ephesus knew who Paul was. They knew he, was, he maybe was a small guy. He's like, if a little guy can do it, anybody can do it. And I'm not picking on short people this morning. Paul's saying there, there's no reason for someone who's received this gift to think that they're in any way inadequate to share the gospel because that's what, that's what God does through us. He, he gives us this opportunity to proclaim. It was interesting when I was talking to Kirk this week about their church plant, I said, are there specific ways we can pray for you? One of the interesting things he said to me was, Tom, I know there are going to be dozens and dozens of non-Christians there on Sunday morning. He said, I, I know that because Deb and I have been in the neighborhood for over a year, just hanging out with people and loving people and getting to know them. And God has used that to build relationships. And I know, I said, I bet I know 59 Christians that are coming and, and they're excited to come. They can't quite figure out what I'm doing in, their, in this neighborhood. I, I look so much like an outsider. They're just really intrigued. And we've had them into our home and they've had us into their homes in this neighborhood. And, and I know all these unbelievers are coming to this worship service. What worries me is whether or not I'll have enough Christians there to share the gospel. He said, could you pray that 30 Christians would show up on Sunday morning so that, that we would have enough people to answer questions? Wouldn't that be great if that was the problem at Green Tree Community Church? Wouldn't it be wonderful if every seat that wasn't occupied this morning was occupied by somebody that didn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, and they were here because they were curious about what was going on because we had been proclaiming the gospel in the way we lived and what we spoke, Paul says, it's through me. It's the application of proclamation. But he also says, through me, it's not only proclamation, but it's revelation. The grace was given to me to bring, he says in verse 9, to bring light for everyone. What is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? He's saying that through me, the gospel is revealed. And, and what's the important nuance here is this. What Paul is saying is the, that, that the message has been there all along. I'm not bringing something new to, to the table and putting it there for everybody to go, oh, we've never seen that before. I'm putting the light on and everybody goes, oh, look, that's been there all along. If you read the Old Testament, the gospel is there. But through, through Paul's preaching in the ministry of Jesus, the light is shed on that and now the gospel is plain to see. Sometimes there's something there you don't see. It takes a minute, but once you see it, you can't unsee it. Look at this picture. If you look at this picture, your eyes are immediately drawn, I think, to the paw prints in the, in the snow. And you kind of go, oh, look, there's way up in the right-hand corner, there's a bear that's wandering off. Do you see anything else in that picture? You see the second bear in the bushes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just kinda, I like being on this side because people are like, oh, kind of fun, fun to watch that reaction. Now that you see that bear... And you, wherever, that's a Bev do little uh, picture. Wherever you see that again, you'll never not see that bear. It's always going to be there for you to see. And you'll understand why the title was given. Once you see and hear the gospel, you can't unsee it and you can't unhear it. You can only do one of two things. You can share it or you can keep it to yourself. 
Those are your only two options. Because once you see the grace of God, and once you begin to get your mind around how compassionate and kind God has been to a sinner like you, you, you'll never lose sight of that. So Paul says, the natural reaction for me is to understand that through me the gospel is to be proclaimed and through me the gospel is to, is to be revealed. I need to bring light on God's eternal plan. Well, if that happens, if God gives us the gift of salvation, excuse me, and if God allows us to graciously see that application and we begin to, to share the gospel in earnest, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is a new family is going to be born. A new community is going to be established. Verse 10, so that through the church, now it's not singular, now it's collective, now it's all of us. Through all of us, Paul's saying, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. The church is the new family of God. It's the new society of God. It's called the bride of Christ. In the New Testament, it's called the body of Christ. Paul says you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people designed to proclaim the glories of God. You're part of the family of God. And this community is not hidden, but it's in the world. It's in society for everyone to see. Not only for humans to see, but this passage says for spirits to see as well. So angels that are praising and worshiping God in heaven right now, the Father says, look at my people on earth. Look at how my kingdom is moving forward. To those spirits who have rebelled against him and have followed Satan and think they're going to get the upper hand, God says, look at the church of Jesus Christ. You're never going to win. It's already written. Game, set, match. We are on display for the world to see. This is a community. It's not just about me. Now it's about us. Uh, I chuckle sometimes when I do premarital. I don't even call it counseling because I don't have a counselor's degree. I call it premarital friendly advice. But whenever I'm, 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 I'm marrying somebody or premarital stupid things that I've done in my marriage that you shouldn't do in yours. Um, when I meet with a couple, I usually meet five or six times with them before I get married. It's so much fun. We do, in, in every session we do, a thing called, you know, answers to silly questions. Uh, and a question would be something like, which is the morally correct way to put a roll of toilet paper on the dispenser? <laughs> uh, how many overs do we have? Okay. How many unders do we have? Not as many, not as many unders. We're going to pray for you guys that you would... <laughs> Repent of your, of, your, of your terrible, terrible sin. What's the morally correct way to squeeze a tube of toothpaste? Is it actually an act of evil to rinse the dish and leave it in a sink and not put it in the dishwasher and leave it overnight? Is that reprehensible or is that just okay? It's reprehensible. I've got a couple of head nods over here and I've got a couple of people over here going, I'm not, I'm not sure what's going on. I, I, I always say to folks, you're never going to wake up one morning in a happy marriage and decide you're going to go out and have an affair. It's a million little things that irritate you that, that, sneak up on you because you've decided the marriage is about you instead of the marriage being about us. Now, that's a bit of an oversimplification. I understand that. But, but the conversation that comes out of that is important because the marriage is not going to thrive if the marriage is about Tom Ricks. The marriage is only going to thrive if I think it's about Cindy Ricks and she thinks that it's about me. That's, that's when it's going to be healthy and, and glorify and honor God. But I have to decide for me that it's about her. And what Paul says to, to, to the people of God individually, it's not just about you. It's about the church collectively. It's about the people of God living in fellowship with one another in a way that folks look at that and go, that's different than any other community I've ever observed on earth. 
If that happens, if we embrace our new family and our new society and we, and we seek to serve and, and grow by loving one another well, Paul says that's the manifold wisdom of God on display. And that word there, manifold, is used in, in the Old Testament, uh, the, the kind of the, the cousin word to the word in the Greek to represent the coat of many colors that Jacob gave to Joseph, who was then his youngest son. Uh, I mentioned that in the first service, and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, Benjamin was the youngest son. I said, well, Benjamin wasn't born when that coat got there. But in case you were thinking that, I didn't want you to be losing the next 10 minutes of the sermon, wondering what order Joseph and Benjamin came in. But this manifold is, 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 a, is a word that means uh, many, many different colors, uh, many, many different images. Let me tell you, uh, let's tell you what John Stott wrote about this because he says it really well. The word manifold means many colors and was used to describe flowers, crowns, embroidered cloth, and woven carpets. A similar word was used to describe the robe gave his youngest uh, son, Joseph. The church as a multiracial, multicultural community is like a beautiful tapestry. Its members come from a wide range of colorful backgrounds. No other human community resembles it. Its diversity and harmony are unique. It is God's new society. And the many colorful fellowship, the many colored fellowship of the church is a reflection of the many colored wisdom of God. One of the things that God does is he puts us in community with one another and then he sets us out in the world and says to the world, come and look. Come and see what the gospel can do to change hearts and lives of the worst of sinners. I read an article a few years ago, it's probably been seven or eight years ago now, uh, about a group of Christians that were living in Amsterdam and they all kind of knew each other through a variety of different uh, pathways and, and, and situations. And they decided because they were from so many different backgrounds, they were going to get, uh, they were going to kind of put this to the test and they were going to get a house in downtown Amsterdam and they were going to live together. And there were folks there from, uh, from, uh, I think it was Nigeria and Africa and, uh, from, I think it was Thailand and, uh, Brazil and South America, the United States, Europe, folks from all different kinds of backgrounds, different walks, different socioeconomic backgrounds. And they all came together and they said, our fellowship should be a witness in Amsterdam to the power and the truth of the gospel. And then they began to tell stories about how hard it was and how difficult it was, but how God remained faithful. And they, and they learned through that experience. They talked about learning how to repent uh, of their own narrow vision of the world and how you did one thing in America. The Americans were, were really the ones who kind of, you know, had the answer for everybody how to do it their way. That kind of surprised us as Americans. Um, but but there, were, there were problems with each group. Everybody brought their own sin, but they also brought their redeemed souls with them. And God worked in them and through them. There were a lot of people in that neighborhood that saw that fellowship and said, we've never seen anything like this. And they had the opportunity to share gospel with many, many people. This new community is on display, which means that grace then comes full circle. Look at verse 11. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus. There's that phrase again. Our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. This is only reality when we are in Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ? It means that we, we reject the notion that we can save ourselves. We accept the truth that, that we're broken and we're rebelling against God, that, that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, that we have no hope and we have no interest in trying to redeem ourselves. 
but we believe that Christ came for us, that God actually left his throne in heaven and took on a human form in the person of Jesus Christ and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, in order that you and I could have forgiveness. And God raised him to life on the third day in order that that death would atone for, would pay for your sins and mine, and would guarantee your eternal existence and my eternal existence if we put our faith in him. That's why Paul says this is realized in Christ Jesus. All of this happens. All of this is possible if we're in Christ. But then look at, at the last thing that Paul mentions here, which is one of the most beautiful things. He says, because of Christ, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence. Boldness and, and access with confidence to what? what? What exactly do we have boldness and, and, and access to? What Paul is talking about there is our new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I want you to think about somebody you have a lot, for whom you have a lot of respect. Think about somebody, you, you really love them and you really think highly of them. And think about, and, and there's somebody you know, not necessarily, you know, somebody you, you, know, you see in the, you know, uh, someplace else, you're like, oh, like John Wayne was my hero. Uh, but think about somebody you know that you really love and you really respect. And think about when they take an interest in you. Think about when they stop their day and say, tell me how you're doing. When they go out of their way to say, how can I pray for you? How can I love you? How can I serve you? When they do you a kindness, uh, how, does that, how does that make you react? It gives you a sense of worth. It gives you a sense of thankfulness. It gives you a sense in the proper way of pride and appreciation. And what Paul said is that's the relationship that God invites you to have with him. You have total access. You have, you have a confidence to come through faith in Christ to someone who loves you, to a deep and an intimate friendship to someone who will never turn you away, to someone who will never say, I'm too busy for you. Could, could you come back later? will never say to you, someone else is more important than you uh, to me right now. Uh, Tom Warner mentioned a few weeks ago the, the special on Fred, uh, um, um, why am I losing his name? Mr. Uh, Rogers. I was going to say Robertson. That's not right. Mr. Rogers. Uh, we watched that special last night at home. And one of the things that w was obvious uh, why, why Fred Rogers has such an amazing impact on children was because he always got down on their level. If he was talking to them, he would sit down. He would get eyeball to eyeball. He would kneel down. He would have a conversation with them and they would be his sole focus and he would give them his undivided attention. And so you see later on in the special, you see grown people coming up and throwing their arms around him. Say, oh, Mr. Rogers, I love you. You, you know, because why? Because you, you spoke to me, you cared for me. You, you affirmed me as a person. That's the gospel coming full circle, friends. The God of the universe affirms us in our faith in Christ Jesus. So how do we apply? A couple things as we wrap up. The first is this. I think we just have to realize we're blessed people. That the God of the universe would do this for us is truly remarkable. I, I can't read this passage without, you know, me, Mr. Mr. Never Tear Up guy, right? <laughs> Mr. Always Control My Emotions guy. I can't read a passage like this without getting choked up because I'm like, how, how do I get this? This is unbelievable. We are truly blessed but that blessing's supposed to go somewhere, friends. It's supposed to go to others. And so I want to challenge us to, to, to do two things this morning in the way of application. The first is every day, I would like for each of us who are disciples of Jesus to pray that God would bring one person across our path this week who needs to hear the gospel and that God would allow us to share the gospel with that person, which means we've got to be seeking as well. We've got to be looking around. We've got to be paying attention. But that God would bring one person Across, and I'm going to pray that every day, uh, every day until that happens. And then once it happens, I'm going to start praying it again. 
And I want to be faithful to understanding that the gospel just isn't a gift given to me, but it's to flow through me. And then secondly, on the corporate level, I want each of us to to ask the question, what's one thing I can do to build community at Green Tree Community Church? Not how can Green Tree Community Church build community for me, right? That, that's important. We, we, as leaders, we need to be thinking about how do we develop biblically uh, gospel-driven community, but for each of us individually, what can I do to build community at Green Tree Community Church? If I'm an empty nester, it's an easy answer for me today. I walk out there, I sign up, and my serving in those tents and those games on Thursday nights lets some young families just have time together that they won't have to worry about it. That's a, that's a simple thing. Did I reinforce the harvest party there? Was that pretty smooth? Did I sneak up on you on that one? Right? But there's a million ways. That, that we can do this. But, but the gospel has been freely given. It needs to be freely given so that it can go full circle and praise back to God. Will you pray with me? Father, we bless your name. We worship you. You are the one who has initiated the, this mysterious plan that has now been made clear through the life and the work, the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, the coming of his Holy Spirit, which empowers us to put our faith in him for our salvation. But it also then, Lord, it's clear that it, that, that it needs to flow through us. As Daryl said last week, who's the other person? Where, where's the other guy? Where's the other gal <laughs> that needs to know Jesus? Father, help us to understand that as much as the gospel flows to us, it naturally must flow through us. Father, may we be a church where people come to Christ for salvation. May we be a church where whether it's here on Sunday morning or when we're scattered throughout the week, Christians are proclaiming the name of Jesus. People are becoming curious. They're seeing the power of God and they're coming to salvation, not because we're smarter or better, but simply because you are using us to allow your grace to flow to others. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.